Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, like Joyce said, we had a, a wonderful camp. Uh, and and it was a but it was a it was a fight. Um, just like one thing right after the next. I sound really loud to me, Tanner. I don't know if I don't know if I do to you back there. But um good good out there, just hearing it here. Um but uh but a fight's okay, right? We're we're not unaware of the devil's schemes and uh not unaware that that uh that we're in a war, uh, that we're in a battle. Um, re- read Ephesians 6, right? Uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we do have a struggle. We do have a battle against spiritual forces of evil. Uh, and we, but, but we are able to take our stand and, and be victorious. Uh, now having done all to stand, stand uh, covered in the armor of the Lord and... Uh, Take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, pray, and uh, and we see victory. Um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Revelation twelve. It's really unique to me. Um, it it takes you back in time, and then brings you to the present, and then takes you into the future. And in Revelation 12, we clearly recognize that we have an enemy. A red dragon appears and wars against all that the Lord is doing, wars against the people of God. Uh, he, he wars in heaven, um, but he is uh, not strong enough and thrown down uh, from, from heaven. And the, uh, the red dragon in Revelation 12.9 is identified as as Satan, uh, the devil, that ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. And he even wars against the people of God. But as he was, as he was not able to overcome in heaven, he is also not able to overcome God's people. And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because of all that Jesus has done. And then there's the word of their testimony. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, in other words they had dealt with self-worship, laid their lives down, and they were living for Christ and for Christ alone. If, if you can't make yourself, and, and you can't make yourself, but, but if you never lay yourself down so that you're no longer number one, and life isn't all about you. That's like, one of the, that's like one of the major current deceptions in our culture now. And it's not anything new. That's the very thing that the devil came at Eve with back in the garden. Uh, we, we've got to have victory over me, myself, and I. Right? We, we don't always choose us. We always choose him. And if you don't, then you'll never have victory over the enemy. But we do have victory over the, with the blood of the Lamb... Uh, by laying down ourselves and by the word of our testimony. So uh, it's so important that, that those three come together. And, uh, and so all these young people who have run to Jesus and are washed in the blood now have the opportunity this morning to testify the word of their testimony about all that God has done uh, in their lives. And, uh, 
And so we want to give them, give them that opportunity. This is always, you know, one of the favorite parts of camp uh, is hearing what the Lord has done uh, as a result of our time together and our time in his presence. So I'm opening it up to testimonies. If anyone would like to come and share. Jude, come on. Hand right up. And his Bible. I own this church, baby. Some of you would get that. Inside joke, yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, there you go. Okay, so I feel like throughout the camp, the Holy Spirit was talking to all of us, kind of. And I found this verse in my memory verses. Very hard one to memorize. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> but it is John fourteen twenty six. But the Father will send a friend in my name. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything that I said to you. So, what that means is the Holy Spirit is our helper, and God has sent it to us. So we should listen to it, because God has sent it to us. So if we listen to it, we'll be better Christians, and it will help our personality and character. And that's it. That's it. Brought his Bible, turned to Scripture, everything. Yeah. Anybody else? Tucker? Okay. Um, so, um, I think it was, what day was it? Wednesday? Wednesday? Yeah, I think Wednesday night when we were doing the altar call, I feel like the Holy Spirit was just in the room feeling just touching people. A lot of people I saw was giving their lives to Jesus. I think that was the day, Wednesday. But, so. I think. Um, I yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That was a powerful night, Tucker. Anybody else? Sean. I learned that really you need to be patient with God. And, and not only with Him asking you to do things, but with just your relationships and your friendships and everything. When you hand it over to Him, He's going to make the best decision on his timing, and if you try to brush that, then it'll eventually become your decision, and your decision is going to be worldly, and so that I learned that this week, with everything, I need to lay it to him and say, God, your timing, no matter what, even though I want it quicker, I might want it faster, or I might want to put that off, your timing's perfect, and, it, and I really known that when I was praying for people, when I felt 
I'd be like, okay, God, tell me when I need to pray for that person. And as soon as he was like, now, like I've just had a rush, like a rush of adrenaline almost to go pray for that person. And a few people in here, I did pray for it. And I think a few people, I, I felt like God really worked. So, Amen. Like, wait on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Yes. Praise the Lord. Just waiting on you, Savannah. Uh Uh-oh, Savannah's got notes. Mm. Okay, so let me just tell you, leadership is hard work. Okay, so so I got... No, you're good. I just want to, I want to be Jude. I want to be cool as Jude. <laughs> so um, I got put over a team this year, and um, not knowing how to lead is really hard. But I learned so much this um, week about leadership. And um, I thought leadership was just taking over and wanting your word to go over all the team. But... Um, Pastor Al spoke in our um, I Lead um, services, and he said, to be a good leader is to have fellowship. And um, I just kind of took that as like, to, I need to stop and ask my team what they want to do before I go and yell at them and tell them what to do. And that's just how I, what I learned this year is just to follow, not just to follow your team and who you're over, but also you can follow too, but just make sure that you listen to your team. And that's why I lost my voice, because I yelled at my team. So don't be yelling at your teams. <laughs> Good, Savannah. Thank you. Yeah, we all learned some valuable leadership lessons uh, this week, including myself. It was good. It's good. Anybody else? Lauren. Got a lot going on through my head, so just bear with me. Um, So every single year when we like do I lead and emerge, Pastor Al preaches, and he tells us how much he loves to preach to our generation. And I always thought, I was like, yeah, you probably said it to everybody. So you probably said it to every generation. Um, But this, this week I really realized that, no, that like this is the generation. Like, the very first night, we, all of the eye leaders, all the teenagers, we circled up and we prayed together. And there was just this sense of unity and, like, connection throughout everybody. And I was like, this really is, like, the generation that our world so desperately needs. And then the next night, we did this exercise together about connection. And that was, my idea was like, nope, nah, we're not going to get anything done together because... To put it in a nutshell, we had to stay connected through a field to light torches, and we all thought it was the worst thing we had ever done in our lives. We couldn't communicate, couldn't do anything, and in the, in the moment, we thought it was terrible. And then the next morning, no, the next afternoon, Pastor Al asked us what we thought about it, because everybody thought that, that it was awful. We, we hated it. But he asked us, we know, he was like, we know it was hard and it was difficult. People were pushing their limits mentally and physically, but how, what did you learn from it? And so thinking about that, I realized that, that like, when we did it, you had to connect to people with like, by holding their hands or touching your feet or something, but you could not let go. And so I realized that 
you've got to be careful in your life who you connect to. Like, I guess, like, on a spiritual, mental level. Because once you connect to people, it's so hard to let go. Like, once you've formed a connection, it's hard to let go. And sometimes that's not the best case, especially when it's a connection that you don't really need or a connection that's hindering you in the way that you are with God. So, Good job, Lauren. Dawson. Okay, so I was a team leader at Emerge, but not Kids Quest, and I'm glad I wasn't at Kids Quest because first of all, it was stressful. Like, <laughs> like Savannah and Lauren said, that Wednesday night mission, Eileen mission, was just—it was very stressful. I lost my mind, even though I kept it cool, and my mind was just exploding. I was like, "What?" But um, that gave me like something to reflect on, and like just let me, it, like it helped me realize that just because you're a team leader doesn't mean you're great at everything. You lead your team, and every single team member shines in their own way. So you have to find out where they shine and let them shine in that area. Like Pastor Jason, he's good at preaching. Miss Joy, she's good at teaching. Kristen, she's a singer. They all come together and form a church. You're one. So once, once you connect and find out where other people shine, I think you're unstoppable. Amen. None of them exactly learned the lessons I was hoping they would learn, but they did learn important leadership lessons, so that's... <laughs> Anybody else? Don't you love the awkward silence? I'm enjoying it. Mm. This was like, this year was a very teaching year for me as a leader. Huh? What? Oh, I lost my voice, by the way. I lost it like the first day. But this year really taught me a lot as a leader. And as everyone said, Wednesday night, I lead mission was crazy. Like, we got there, we were third, the third team to arrive. And that was upsetting to me because I wanted to be first. And so we got there, and we had to, like, connect everybody. And everyone's hands are sweaty, and we're all upset. And it's, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, and everyone's yelling. And kind of what the Lord taught me is you have to put your pride and humble yourself down in order for everyone to move and to connect to the light. You can't always be the person who's first, and you can't always be the person who's leading everybody. Sometimes you have to just humble yourself and allow others to lead so that you can— um, Light the torch. Amen. Good. Anybody wondering what we did Wednesday night? You could, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? So Sean kind of already touched on this, but this year I feel like it was a really big year for patience. It was really stressful, like everybody's already said, that one night kind of made us all go crazy. But um, 
like all of us being together for so long, and it was a really big camp this year. I think there was like almost 300 people there. And um, there was a lot of like fussing, arguing. We didn't all get along like all the time, but we had to be patient with each other and take time to be compassionate and listen. Because like, even though we think we know each other, sometimes we don't. Because there were a lot of people this year that like, when you look at you think they're so happy and they're doing everything right and just everything's in line. But in reality, like, they're not okay. Things aren't always okay, like, underneath the surface. And also something else I really learned about patience was, like Sean said, God's timing. I feel like for months, like, ever since, like, Christmas time, I have been praying and praying and praying, like, trying to figure out what to do with my life, what my calling is, where to go, just all of that. Because last year, somebody had given me a verse. And to be honest, that verse kind of scared me because what it was asking me to do was really, really big. And I was like, no, <laughs> like that's not for me. This is just something silly that somebody came up with. But I sat on it for like a year. It kept resurfacing and I was just pushing it down like, I don't want that. That's not what I had in mind. And then it emerged this year. It like bubbled up to the surface again, but like hard. And then I was like, no, I'm just, I'm not doing it. And then God decided to just completely slap me in the face with it at Kids Quest. And Pastor Hank had this idea that all the leaders lined up, like the leaders here and the leaders here. And the kids walked through it. He called it a prayer tunnel, I think it was. And we all walked through it. And I was praying with somebody before we walked through it. And I wasn't even going to walk through. I was like, it's almost over. Like, I'm not going to bother anybody. It'll be fine. But I still did, and I'm really glad that I did, because Pastor Hank does not know me. Like, I don't think we have ever spoken a word to each other until this year. And I was walking by him, and he stopped me. And he asked me, he's like, do you know you have a call, of, like a call of God in your life? And I was like, yes, sir. And he asked me what it was. I didn't want to say it out loud, because it was really scary. And I did. And the clarification of him jumping up and down screaming, because God told him the same thing, it was, like, overwhelming. I was like, okay, like, I can't say no to this anymore. And Isabel said the same thing, and there were just multiple, multiple leaders pouring that into me. And then I wasn't scared anymore. Like, having all of those leaders standing by me, it's like, no matter what happens with that calling, no matter how scary it is, like, I'm not by myself in it, even if it feels like it. And I'm really thankful for that support, the support of our church, especially Pastor Jason and Miss Joy. And I'm also thankful for the other people that I was able to talk to about it because I thought that it was just really scary. But then I started talking to other people like in our group about it, and they had a similar calling on their lives too. And since we're all about the same age, it just it was really encouraging thinking that like when you feel like you're alone, you're really not. And when you start giving up and you're, like, trying to do everything by yourself, God has it all under control. Like, you really just have to wait for him because, like, he has it. You can't let, like, that anxiety consume you because then it hinders, like, what you're supposed to do. And so I was really thankful for that this year. Praise the Lord.
Anybody else? I'm very thankful for Life Change Church. You guys make camp happen. Um, you could just start mentioning names, and and I know I'd miss out on somebody, but but you know, you know, all of you just work so hard, and uh, from from raising money to to building things to going there and and leading. Um, so can we just give ourselves and Life Change Church a hand there? Really great job. Thank you so much for for both camps. All right, anybody stirred while I was talking there? Anybody else? Uh, We spent a whole week talking about being bold. Um, So no sitting there quaking in your boots, right? Get up and speak. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Ty, come on. Okay, so I usually don't do this. Like, I never really come up after camp, but I guess I have to now. Um, so there was one night, I'm not really sure which one it was. I don't really remember, but I remember the, they were talking about how he was talking about how there's a house, and then behind the house is a fence, and that's like how most people are, how they try to block off what they have a call from God on. Like they want to hold on to certain things, so they have a fence. And God actually showed me a picture of how mine looks. And it was a giant, like, stone wall. And I had, like, small cracks of light here and there because I hadn't been letting go of some stuff. And we actually got to pray for it, and I had someone come pray to me about it. And while he's praying to me, I actually saw the wall, like, fall down. And I got to see... (laughs) And as the wall fell, I had a like a ton of relief come over me, and in the picture, I actually saw light just flood in. Good job, Ty. Praise the Lord. All right. Anybody else? I thought Sean was coming again. Uh-oh. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm gonna Tanner. You're not allowed to leave the sound booth. Well, you know, I had to come up here. I came first last time, and I wasn't gonna do that this time. I broke the ice, so okay. So this year, I would say I sound loud. Holy moly! This year, I would say like one of the biggest verses that like everyone keeps saying and everyone kept like pouring into us this year was Second Timothy 1.7, which I mean, we said it earlier, but it's God does not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, and so I've always like known that verse. I've always like went back to that verse. I mean, like, side note, I've got like these little, I guess like you call them sticky note thingies on the, like, the back of my phone. And I mean, I've got, I've got like Second Timothy 1.7 like right there. So it's a verse I've like always known. Um, and it's a, it's a verse sometimes, like, I've sometimes applied to my life, but, like, some, sometimes, because there's sometimes I'm just like, hey, you know, I think I can do it on my own. <laughs> no. But um, <laughs> this year, God showed me something, like, specifically about that verse. Like, he brought, like, forth, like, a new revelation in that, is that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, that any spirit, like, of fear, of anxiety, of, you know, 
doubt doesn't come from him, but it comes straight from the enemy. But he gives us one of power, which is to power through even in our weaknesses. Because what's 2 Corinthians 2, 9, well, 12, 9? It says, like, his power is made perfect in, his power is made perfect in our weakness. Um, so even in our weakness, you know, we can't do it on our own, but it's through his power, it's through his strength that he provides unto us that we're able to push through and do what is impossible, made possible because of that. It's through, for God does not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love, which is to go out and to love others, you know, love, you know, like I'm looking at Sean right now. It's for me and Sean to love each other, to connect with each other, with each other, so that we can go out and to spread the love of Christ throughout among all the nations and throughout our community, through our church, all of those places, and one of a sound mind, which is, you know, if you're any, if you know me, you probably know like my mind. <laughs> I'm just gonna laugh on that one. It's not all there. Oh um, uh, yeah, you know, we're still praying for some of that. You know, pr- praying for common sense, but. He gives us one of a sound mind, which is to remove any lies, any deception, any doubt that's been filled into our minds by the enemy because we have power over the enemy because he's been defeated once. He's, he's going to continue to be defeated. And one of a sound mind, that is, to go out and to proclaim the name that is above every other name and to live in freedom that, that was bought for and paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, so, I mean, I would say like that verse, God just showed me a new revelation in that this year. And it's probably one of my favorite verses. I can't say it's my favorite verse. It's my favorite verse right now, you know, but it could change, like, in two hours. So, <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. Good job. Praise the Lord. You can, you can have lots of favorite verses. Yeah, that's right. And they can all be your favorite. Anybody else? Julie's coming. It's just for the kids. one of the kids. Um, So I have been struggling with sickness um, since the second week of May um, with uh, just congestion and um, and then it went into breathing issues and uh, went to the doctor and breathing treatments and just it was just a real struggle and I was really worried about going into camp because I needed my voice and I needed to be able to have my breath and um, so I don't even remember what night it was, but I was sitting back there after setting up for I lead and came back in and they were just having an amazing service time. And uh, I saw Pastor Al headed to me <laughs> and he said to me beforehand, he said, if you see me coming to you, know, you know that God has spoke to me to come and pray for you. So I just threw up my hands because I knew what he was coming to do. And he came and he told Tara, he said, put your hand right here on Julie's chest right here. And Tara did, and he just began to pray. And um, and then he walked off, and he came back to me, and he said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm still struggling a little bit. So he put his hands on me again, and he said, no. He said, I said, I command you to have breath in Jesus' name. And I command that your spirit aligns with your thinking because I believe the whole time. I know that God can heal. I've experienced it. And so I was having faith that God was going to heal me. And so he called my, my faith into alignment with my body. And um, afterwards, I talked to Joy, and I was like, oh, 
I believe that I am, and I'm still struggling. And she said, well, just keep commanding it to and just keep speaking over it. And I just want to say that I have not done a breathing treatment in three days. And I have not, I have not lost my breath um, or had to catch my breath. And I just believe that God healed me at camp. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Tucker, you coming again? Round two? So while I was thinking about everybody and about how my team lost, and I want sometimes it's okay to lose and let other people win. So. That's good. Good job, buddy. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's hard for me to lose, too. Anybody else? All right. Praise the Lord. Great job. Okay, let's have a little word here. Look into the scriptures. And we've already had some really good word. Uh, I'd like to... Um, we've been talking about the... His house, doing this series, His house, and we'll just just have some final thoughts uh, on 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 His house, our Father's house. Uh, so let's begin by looking at Matthew twenty six. Uh, we'll start in verse twenty four. And if, if if you remember here, um, Matt, not not Matthew twenty six, Matthew sixteen. Sorry, Scott. Uh, try not to mess with you this morning. <laughs> In Matthew 16, um, there is the conversation that Jesus has with the disciples where he says, who do men say that I am? And they, they start giving their answer. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus says, Peter, man, that is, that's from the Father. That's uh, revelation. He says, on, he says and, and I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Jesus, uh, after that, he begins to share with the apostles, with the disciples, the will of God for his life. He says, here's, here's what's coming. This is what God wants me to do. This is what is in our future. I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer and die. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised again. He, he shares with them. This, is, this seems like one of the first times that they're hearing this because Peter really reacts to it in a negative way. And he says, no, that is not God. You know, he just said that Jesus is God. And now he's saying, but that's not God. <laughs> it's a funny story. So that's, this is where Jesus speaks to Peter and says, Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're a, you're a stumbling block to me. That's a temptation to me. right? Because we know from Matthew 26 in the garden that Jesus is struggling with the will of God for his life. 
right? Because even though he's 100% God, uh, the, the miracle is that he's also 100% man, 100% flesh, that Jesus came in the flesh, born of a woman, that he was, that he was flesh and blood and yet 100% God. So Matthew 16, after Jesus says to him, you know, get behind me, Satan, then, uh, then Jesus is going to share with them the, the cost of being a disciple, the call of a disciple. And, uh, and as we read this, I think, I think after we read it, then we start looking at, at God's house. It'll help us to get some understanding and some clarity here on, on what Jesus is saying. Verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus says, Jesus says, if you want to be a disciple, then and you want to follow after me, then you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus says, this, this is what I'm going to have to do. He says, I, I know that it's God's will for me to go to Jerusalem, to be arrested, to suffer and die and be crucified on the cross, and on the third day rise again. Peter says, no, Lord, that's not ever going to happen. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He says, it's got to take place. He says, but, but it is a struggle for me, the will of God in my life, because because his flesh, blood, body doesn't want to go to the cross and suffer and die and be beaten and, and wounded. He says, so, but, but this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to deny myself and say yes to God, his plan, his purpose, his will for my life. And he says to his disciples, he says, and, and anyone who wants to be uh, a disciple, he said, you're going to have to do this as well. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to say no to you. Take up your cross and follow me. So we see here that, that, uh, that one of the deceptions that is, that is now and has, and has always uh, been uh, is, that, is that we say yes to ourselves. We say that we're, that we're first, that we're number one, that we are, that we are priority, uh, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, that's going to have to shift. That's going to have to change. And you're going to have to lose yourself for me to find me. He says, he says someone's going to have to shift where I'm going to be first. I'm going to be Savior and, and Lord. I'm going to be the one who leads and guides. And you're going to have to say, you're going to have to say no to you so that you can say yes to me. And he says that when we do that, that, uh, that what it's going to look like, he says, for whoever who wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's, it's, it's like counterintuitive, isn't it? Jesus is saying that... Uh, that if you, if you won't do this, 
and you want to save your life and you want to be number one and you want to be first and it's going to be your will, uh, he, says, he says that you're going to actually lose what you think is life. He says, but if you'll lose it, then you'll find it in him. If we keep on reading, he says, what, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So he's saying, he's saying that the truth actually is to lay down your life and serve Jesus. That actually leads to life. So if we bring John 10, 10 into the conversation, because we love John 10, 10, right? Because he says, he says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan, his purpose. He's, um, he's going to use deception to accomplish it. He's going to lie to lead you astray. Uh, Jesus said, he said, but that's not what I've come to do, right? I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus says, I want for you abundant life. That's, that's why I've come. And the truth of the matter is, is that that's what we want for ourselves as well. We want abundant life for ourselves. Now, we, we're all the time defining abundant life, so let's just do it again. Right? We can do the, the four Fs. You know, freedom, uh, friendship, fruitfulness, and forever. Right? Those, those are fruits of abundant life. We, and we all want those. We want to be free. Uh, we want and need beautiful friendships. We want and need fruitful, abundant lives. And we know, you know, Ecclesiastes 3, that we're eternal beings. God has set eternity in our hearts, so there's got to be forever. Jesus says that the, the deception that the enemy's going to bring is that you're going to find abundant life by, by ownership, by owning you, by making you Lord of your life, by sitting on the throne of your heart, by, by making you first, right? We hear, we hear this in our culture all the time, right? I got to choose me, right? I'm, I'm first. I'm number one. You know, it's, it's me, me, myself, myself, I, I, it's, it's pride all around. And the deception is that that is where life is found, that, that life is found in ownership or, or that freedom is found in ownership, that, that, it's, that this is my house and that's where life is found, that I own it, I lead it, it's all about me and satisfying me and giving to me and what can I get? What does Proverbs say? Uh, Proverbs says the leech has, has three daughters and give, 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 they cry. They just constantly give to me, give to me, give to me, give to me, give to me. And that's their cry and that's all that it is. And that, that's the deception of the enemy that says that's where abundant life is. It's me, 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 you give to 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 me, right? That's where freedom is. Me, 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 I, what I want, when I want, where I want it, how I want it. That's, that's, but we know it's a lie, right? Because abundant life just isn't about freedom. It's also about friendship, 
right? And, and that kind of freedom destroys friendship, right? How many of you want to be friends with a leech that just says, give, 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 right? It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's not you, it's me. It's all about me, myself, and I. We recognize that is destructive to relationships and drives them apart, and we wind up uh, we wind up alone. And, and so some part of abundant life has been robbed from us because of a deception that ownership brings this. Jesus says, Jesus says it doesn't. He says there's life found in laying yourself down. There's life found in denying yourself. Where life is found is in losing yourself and letting God become the owner of you. Letting him become Lord in your life. Letting him become the one who is Savior and Lord and owner of this house. So Jesus says, life is found when I lay down my life and say, this is not Jason's house. It's his house. It's not Jason's house. It's God's house. It's not my house. It is the Father's house. Jesus says, there, when you do that, that, you think you may have lost it, but you've actually gained it. That is where life is. That's when freedom comes. That's when relationships happen. That's when fruitfulness begins. And that's where feet forever will be in the Father's house. When this becomes his house, when it becomes the Father's house, then it becomes a house of abundant life. We've talked about his house and, and, have, and have said that, uh, said that in his house is his word. Now I'd like to say this morning that, that in his house is abundant life. That his house is a house of abundant life, and when we lose ourselves, lay ourselves down, get down off the throne, let God sit on the throne of our lives, let it be his house, then we have just found, we have just discovered, it has just become a house of abundant life. The deception is that ownership equals freedom. It does not. The deception is <laughs> that abundant life is found in being first. It is not. Freedom is found when I'm in the Father's house. It's in the Father's house that there is freedom. If I'm not in the Father's house, then there's not freedom. There ends up being slavery. Now, some interesting uh, scriptures on, on, a, on what comes and masters us and enslaves us and takes away uh, our freedom from us um, are found in, you know, there, there's a lot, but we'll just look at Romans here. Um, let's remember Romans 6, verse, verse 14. I guess I got time to read it. I mean, I know I've got time to read it. I just struggle just reading stuff, you know. Uh, Romans 6, verse 14, reminds us that, that sin is, is an enslaving thing, not a freeing thing. 
for sin, there's this declaration made because of, because of the blood of Christ and who we are in Jesus and all that he's done. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So slavery to, to sin, and that's what, that's what sin does, right? Sin is not freeing. Sin is a master that comes in and binds and enslaves and controls, and it leads to death, right? This is a, uh, Romans 6 is going to end, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, don't you love those used to be's in scripture? That I'm, that I'm because of Jesus and my faith and trust in him, and because I've laid down my life and taken up my cross and following after him, I'm not a slave to sin. You have become, you have, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that was now, that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's, it almost seems like we're, we're out of one slavery into the next, right? We've been set free from sin and now we're slaves again now to righteousness. But, but righteousness leads to abundant life. So the power of righteousness at work in my life is freedom and it leads to fruitfulness and eternity and beautiful relationships. Right? Who, who do you want to be connected with? Uh, someone who is, who is a slave to sin or someone who is a slave to righteousness? Who's going to treat you right and do what's good for you? This works about life in, uh, in our lives. Now, if we go over to Romans 8, we see another thing that wants to bind us and, and control us and enslave us uh, in Romans 8. We'll start at, we'll start at verse 12. Um, although anytime you mention Romans 8, uh, you, you probably should start at verse 1 and just, and just at least declare it, that there is now for, that there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, or or 28, that God is working all things together for our good, for the, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And, uh, you, know, you know, continuing on, you know, how, how will God, who did not spare his own son, also along with him graciously give us all things? Uh, the great Romans 8. But, um, but let's not talk about those today. Let's just focus in here on verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die, but if, we, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, 
That is very interesting, isn't it? Because it really lines up with what Jesus said in Matthew 26, that, that, uh, in Matthew 16, that we don't have an obligation to say yes to the flesh. We've got to, because that, that's going to lead, it looks like you're, you're gaining life, but really that's going to lead to you losing life. Right, so you've got an obligation, but it's not to say yes to the flesh, it's to, it's, to, it's to say yes to the Spirit and to live by the Spirit. And, uh, you know, then if you, if you were to look at Matthew 26, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the struggle that he's having is, is his flesh wanting to not suffer and die and his Spirit knowing that's the will of God and that's what he had to do. And he says, he even says that the, that the flesh, the body is weak, uh, but the spirit, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, so we've got to watch and pray. And then Jesus does an amazing thing, right? He says, he says, not my will, but your will. And he gets up and he goes to the cross, suffers and dies. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not giving in or, or, or being led by the flesh. Flesh is not my God. My Father is, and he leads and guides me. You see, the, you see the shift that the deceptive enemy wants to make is that flesh, that this body's my God, right? And that this body tells me who I am and, and what life is, and, and it does not. It does not. Uh, what is it? What's Ephesians 3 uh, say that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ? Uh, their, their God is their stomach, that, that, that their flesh is their God. Jesus says, no, we're not, we're, not, we're not living that way. We live by the Spirit. We put to death the misdeeds of the body, and then you will what? Then you will live, that it's there that you find abundant life. Now, now, going on, uh, he says, uh, you know, Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For those of us who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is very important for us to understand here, right? Because we've already made this declaration that his house is the Father's house, that he's Father. You know, when, and when I say he's Father, then I'm calling myself his child, his son. And as one of the children of God, I'm not led by my flesh. I'm led by the Spirit. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live, so that so that you live in fear again. Uh, sorry, I'm struggling a little bit here. Like, I memorized a lot of this stuff in the, uh, in the older NIV, and the newer NIV changes just a few words, and so I gotta, like, think. So I'm trying to read what it actually says and not what I've memorized. But, but it's saying the right things. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Amen? So that... So that you live in fear again, so that you are, you are no longer in Christ a slave to sin. Sin shall not be my master. And in Christ Jesus, you are no longer 
a slave to fear, so that fear shall not be my master. Right? A lot of Christians are, are claiming the sin one. Sin, you're not my master. But they're still being led around by fear. And fear is not our master. It used to enslave us. But in Christ Jesus, fear enslaves us no more. Well, you say, you say well, why and how? We don't live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about for you adoption to sonship. The, the spirit of fear is gone because, and I'm no longer a slave to it, because I have been adopted as a child of God, and he's now my heavenly father. I've been adopted as, as into, into sonship, and, and sonship is important, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I say Father, or, or Daddy, or Pops, or it's, it's an affectionate calling from a son or a daughter to their father that they've got intimate, close, beautiful relationship with. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people on, on you know, I've, I've got a wonderful dad. And, you know, a lot of times I'll call him Pop. What's up, Pops? Pop, you know. How you doing, Pop? There's not a lot of people that do that. Not a lot of people that can because they're not his son. But I'm his son, and so I can call him that. We, we've, the relationship because of the blood of Christ and all that Jesus has done with, with God has shifted and changed for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And he, I, I don't mean any disrespect. When I'm calling my dad, when I say, hey, Pop, how are you? And he doesn't take any disrespect from it. I'm, I'm very reverent of my father and very reverent of Father God, but I've shifted in my relationship with him to where I have been adopted as a son. I am a child of God. And there's a connection between that and freedom. God's house, the Father's house, is my house. Right? When, when I go visit my parents, what do I say? I don't, I don't say I'm going to White House Fork, Alabama. And, it, and my parents have lived all over the place, and I, I say I'm, I'm going to go home. Because where, where dad is, that's home. And, and I don't, you know, I don't knock. I just walk in the door. And I don't go into the kitchen and say, you know, there's some cake sitting there or something. Hey, can I have a piece of cake? You know, I just have at it. I just get me a drink if I want to. You know, I sit down on the couch and kick my feet up on the coffee table. Because I'm free. You got to get this. 
in my father's house, I'm not a slave, I'm a son. And in my father's house, I'm free. And in my father's house, I'm not afraid. Because I'm in my father's house. See, when, when I say, this is, this is not mine, it's his, it's his house, and he's father, and then he says, yes, that's good, but in my house, you're my son, and my son is free. Now you prosper in my house. You are free in my house. You want a drink? You go get a drink. You want a snack? You go get a snack. You want you know, you want to walk into my room and use my bathroom? You walk into my room and use my bathroom because because really he's the father, it's his house, but but it's our house. That's where I'm home and fear is gone. And so by him we cry, Abba, Father. Let me keep on reading. I know it's 12 o'clock. I'm, I'm going to end. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We are children of God, and and somehow or another, we are co-heirs with Christ. This is why Paul prays in Ephesians 1 and says, He says, I'm praying that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could know God better. When you know God better, you see him more clearly as Father. And then he says, says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened in order to see the glorious inheritance that is the saints. We we don't grasp it or see it. But we are co-heirs with Christ and the inheritance that is going to come on the only begotten firstborn son of God is also our inheritance as co-heirs of Christ. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm a son in his house, a co-heir with Christ. I am under the protection of my heavenly Father who is so mighty and glorious and awesome and powerful when the red dragon in Revelation 12 arises to make war in heaven, he just sends Michael to deal with him. He doesn't have to go. Michael, go, go deal with him. And Michael goes and deals with him. And in Revelation 20, when it's time for the devil to be bound for a thousand years, we don't even know the name of the angel that goes. He just sends an angel. Angel, go. And the angel goes and grabs the devil and binds him and throws him into the abyss and seals it up for a thousand years. God doesn't even have to deal with him. He is my heavenly father 
whom I call Abba, Daddy. I am his son, his child, and this is his house, and he lets me freely live in it, and there's not fear in the Father's house. There's freedom. Hallelujah. Got this wonderful inheritance that we may share in his glory. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought in to the freedom and glory of the children of God. I like that. I like that. Uh, If you look at the older NIV translation, I think I might like it a little bit better because it says, into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The children of God live in glorious freedom. And we don't even know yet how that will become more and more and more glorious. We, we who have, who have heard the call of our Savior, who have laid down our lives, taken up our cross, and followed after him, we who have lost ourselves have gained everything. We have gained God as our Father, co-heirs with Christ. We live in glorious freedom. Fear is gone. Sin is gone. They have been defeated. God is the Father. This is his house, and in his house there's freedom. In his house there is relationship. In his house there is abundant life. Read on your own, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4. Read that on your own, and look at John's focus on relationship. He wants, he wants us to be together with the Father and the Son, all of us united in fellowship with one another. It is it is. It is in that that there is, it, and, and it also something about relationships that puts an end to fear. Um, and then there's 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We're not children of this world. We're children of God. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and and what we will be has not yet been made known. We we don't even know yet exactly what that's going to be, but but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. 
all of us who have this hope in Him, we, we no longer are slaves to sin. We no longer are slaves to fear. We are God's sanctified, holy, pure, set-apart people, and even more beautiful than that, family, children. This is our Father's house, and we freely and abundantly live in our Father's house. So, so maybe now it's a little more clear that what Jesus was saying in Matthew 16 is true. That when we do take up our cross, lay ourselves down, say it's not, it's not my house, it's yours. That it is in doing that that, that many think, well, man, I'm, I'm losing because I'm not in control. But really you're not, you're gaining. You're gaining because he's in control and he's better at it than we are. And it's only him, it's only the Father who is almighty enough to hold back sin. And it's only the Father who is almighty enough to hold back fear. Other, if, life, if you sit on the throne of your heart, sin will invade your house and enslave you. Fear will invade your house and enslave you. But if God sits on the throne, the heavenly Father, the Lord God Almighty, then he holds it back. Because he is, is above all and through all, and nothing can stand against him. There is, there is abundant life in the Father's house. And he so wants us to surrender our lives to him. There's life in surrender. Life in throwing up our hands and saying, I surrender. I surrender. How about you rule and reign for a while? Because you are better at it than I am. Let's pray together. Uh, heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning, if I guess it's, we're seven minutes into the afternoon now, this afternoon, if, uh, if you'd just like to once again just, just lay down your life, just surrender to Jesus take up your cross and follow him. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Yeah, I see your hands. I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. My hands are up with you. Maybe if you're watching online, you can just listen into a podcast. You can just raise your hand with us. Let's just pray together. I'll just lead and you can just repeat after me this prayer from your heart. Lord Jesus, I hear you calling, calling me, just repeat after me, calling me to lay down my life and to follow you. So Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. Make this house the Father's house. A house of freedom. A house of abundant life. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. 
the only name that saves, the only name that heals, the only name that life is found in, the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon um, and a great week. God bless you. And uh, be free and not afraid. Amen. God bless.